Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. It's not often that I get to do a rewind or a reboot of a podcast episode, but this is actually what we're doing today. I'm sitting here in the spacious, absolutely stunning restaurant called A Preacher's Son. And it's not really A Preacher's Son, it's The Preacher's Son. And The Preacher's Son is located in downtown Bentonville. And for those of you that have been listening to this podcast for forever and a day, you know that I sat down with Chef Matt Cooper in the first year of this podcast. And, you know, Matt's a, a personal friend and somebody that I highly respect. And he was, you know, leading the charge here at the Preacher's Son. And he was a Preacher's Son. And, you know, when Matt decided to up and leave, not up and leave, but decided to, you know, do some new things, because, you know, that's kind of how life is, right? We all decide at some point in time to make some new movements and, 
try some different things. And so Matt decided to leave. And the folks at Rope Swing said, you know, we've got to find a suitable replacement. And that suitable replacement ended up being Neil Gray. And Neil is a native son of Arkansas, but I'm going to let him tell the story. So without further ado, Neil Gray, welcome to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast and welcome to Arkansas. Man, I know you've been here a few months, but welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you for coming out and doing this today. And uh, I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, you bribed me with some food. No, I'm just kidding. It was, <laughs> it was very good. And we'll get into that in a minute. But man, I would love for you because it's people that everybody that listens to this podcast knows we always like to go into the backstory because we think that the story is important. And so we'd love for you just to kind of give us a cliff note version of your superhero origin story both your, just your background in general, as well as just a little bit about your culinary experience. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. I grew up in Malvern, Arkansas. Okay. And I started working at a local restaurant there called Western Sizzlin. It's local in the sense that they're actually everywhere. <laughs> right. Uh, and they're all over the Southwest. I'm sure there's still thousands and thousands of them. But I started working there when I was about 15, and I really fell in love with the environment of a restaurant. I fell in love with the cast of characters and uh, and the thrill of service and the pressure and the, the people that you meet. And I found the whole thing to just be really enthralling. And um, I worked at that restaurant from the time that I was 15 through my first year of college. So I mean, all in all, I worked at that restaurant for four years. <laughs> it's yeah, a pretty yeah, long time. Yeah. And I think once I had finished that and I started learning that there was a higher level of cooking, that there was more to it than just steaks on a grill, that some people did this for a profession and they, they did it as a craft. When I became aware of that, then I started looking to go to culinary school. So I, I enrolled in culinary school after my first year of college, where I was just doing general study and general academics. And I moved out to Virginia. I went to Johnson & Wells. I was in college, culinary school for four years, actually. And then my first job was in Virginia. I finished college in Rhode Island, came back to Virginia, and started working at a restaurant called The Inn at Little Washington. Mm -hmm. And that was my very first experience. An amazing restaurant. Three Michelin stars today and still going strong. Really, really informative. An amazing first experience. And from there, I've kind of gone... From coast to coast, I went to California after that, and I worked at the French Laundry. From there, I went to Vegas and continued in a Thomas Keller restaurant called Bouchon in the Venetian Hotel. And then from there to New York, where I worked at Blue Hill at Stone Barns for a while, and then eventually moved into the city and started working for a company called Happy Cooking Hospitality, where I worked at some amazing restaurants and really learned so much. Married my boss's sister, and, <laughs> and we've moved back to Arkansas. So that's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell. I, I love that. And so you've been all over. I mean, obviously, what was it like? I mean, you kind of just fell, fell into being at a Michelin star rated restaurant at early on. So right. I would assume that, that, you know, your level of focus when it came to your culinary skills were at a high level because of that. I was very motivated to study the craft of cooking from the onset, really. I had sort of pinned these restaurants where I wanted to work and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to learn how to cook at a very, very high level before I ever wanted to think about running a kitchen or owning a restaurant. And I think I was a little like maybe ahead of my time in that because I think a lot of the young kids that I meet today, especially in New York City, yeah. they immediately want to be the sous chef. They want to be a manager. They want to, they want to graduate from culinary school and they, they think they're ready to do it. Right. But I've been very committed once I got out of culinary school. I knew that I wanted to learn how to cook and I knew that there was a lot to learn. And I was seeking out the restaurants to learn those skills. Sure. And it's, it's an ongoing endeavor. You know, it's just like being a musician. You know, the most experienced musician can sit down with an instrument and learn something new after 50 years of playing it. And I think that cooking is something that you have to practice with intense focus and dedication if you want to be really, really good at it. 
Yeah, you know, as in the back of my mind, and, and I know you have kids, I have kids, the I'm always thinking about ratatouille, right? Where <laughs> they talk about anybody anyone can cook, but not everybody can create. Right. And, you know, so you really took your skill levels to a no pun intended, a new level each time you you went to a different restaurant. I certainly tried. And yeah, and, and I think that's it's kind of the layering, right? Effect. And uh, you put it beautifully with with a musician because even the greatest musicians learn something new. I mean, I've heard Wynton Marsalis talk about how he'll hear a note differently, and he didn't hear that same note that same way thirty years ago. When he, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow, okay. So I mean, there's so much there, and sometimes for the uninitiated, it's hard for us to grasp that there is artwork behind the approach to culinary that most chefs take. And so, what has been your inspiration since you've gotten here. I mean, you're, again, a native son. You're back in Arkansas. Did you ever think you'd be back here? Well, I wasn't really 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife and I were in quarantine. We had just had a baby. Okay. It was the, the very start of the pandemic. We're talking March. Sure. By the time we had our child, everything in New York City was shutting down. And we got home with our baby. And we basically had a lot of time to, to become new parents. And then I had a lot of time to sit around and think about what my next step might be in my career. Yeah, The restaurant was shut down as all the restaurants were shutting down. And it left me with a lot of time to think about what my next move could possibly be, what I wanted out of my career and where I wanted to be. And if it was the right time to make a big change. And I started talking to a lot of people out here in Northwest Arkansas and thinking about this as a possibility, as a real possibility, and sort of like putting feelers out there about what the industry was like here, where it was trending, and um, if I could possibly have a home here. And I was introduduced to Kurt Berman, our former CEO. Kurt's and been a guest on the podcast. Kurt has been a guest yes, on the podcast. Absolutely. It was great. And Kurt was the one who originally told me, we have a position here at Preacher Sun and it could be right for you. And I guess that's, how it, that's really how it started. Wow. Yeah, I love that. So, the, so then I guess my simple question to you about that was, I'd love to just back up about the New York City piece because New York got hit hard, right? I mean, Very hard. the city and the state as a whole. And I have friends from back there. Most of the people that listen to this podcast know I'm from right outside of New York City in northern New Jersey. Shout out to Bergen County. But, and I spent most of my time in the city. So I, like a lot of people that are from there, really felt bad for how the city was you know, targeted by this virus. And it was, right. it was really rough. And so many people just, I mean, you think we got hit with, from the service industry perspective here with people being unemployed or underemployed. It was like game over in New York City. It really was. Yeah. It was a hard shutdown. Yeah. And there's still restaurants that are losing their livelihood. There's still so many people unemployed. I think, you know, they're doing everything that they can to get back. But New York City was absolutely ravaged by it. You know, I've seen my, you know, my brother-in-law is a restaurateur. He owns, he formerly owned eight restaurants. He's lost restaurants. And there's going to be a big rebuilding process in New York City. And there's no doubt in my mind that it will come back. It's yeah. going to come back for yeah. sure. But a lot of people were, were really, really hurt. And it was, um, it was tough. It was hard to see. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of times for, for the average person, when they look in, when they're on the outside looking in at a business, right, you think, oh, well, most businesses that are successful, especially like a restaurant, then, oh, man, they must be, you know, raking in the dough, making so <laughs> much money. And that's like one of the biggest misnomers about the restaurant industry. It's one as of the a whole. biggest misnomers yeah. for sure. People Pe think that, oh, you own a restaurant. And I see people in there all the time. So you must be wealthy. <laughs> yes. and people don't realize that the profit margins in restaurants are very, very small. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the goal of a restaurant really is to control your overhead, pay your employees as well as you can possibly pay them. And hopefully you eke out a little profit at the end of the day. Yeah. But I think when people see dining rooms full of guests and they see people eating, they see people drinking, it's like, oh, you must be making so much money. 
Well, the food is very expensive for us to buy. Sure. And you have to look to maximize your margins at every single turn. And um, that's always been the case. And now with a pandemic where it's even harder for restaurants to pay rent, Mm -hmm. that overhead becomes even more laborious to take care of. It's that much harder. Yeah. Wow. And so what was it like? I mean, as you were doing your own due diligence and research before you committed to coming here, what was the biggest aha or surprise that you had about Northwest Arkansas before you committed to coming to Preacher's Son? I think the biggest aha moment I had was that um was actually learning about rope swing and learning that that there was a hospitality group here that was this big and this ambitious. It's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of resource behind it. And I didn't know the extent to which this area has been invested in. There's been so much tremendous investment in this place. And I think that it makes it very attractive for people to come in and hopefully even open more businesses and really continue to build upon this hospitality culture that Rope Swing has started. And I, I hope that more and more restaurateurs move in. And I would really love to see this take off in like a Nashville or like Austin type way. And I think that's, that's really the end goal. And it requires talented people to come in and jump into the game. And it requires, you know, for us as restaurateurs to engage with our community. Sure. And hopefully build that spirit of people wanting to come out and experience a lot and having a lot of different things to experience. Yeah. You know, speaking of getting people to come here and commit to this area, did you get anybody to come with you? to join you here at Preacher's Son? Or Not did, yet, but I'm working no? on it. Okay, I, really, okay. I would really love for all my friends to, right. <laughs> to move out here. Yeah, I, yeah. Put the, you know, I've, I whispered it into the ears of a few people. <laughs> so, um, just to let them know, hey, we got, we, we'll leave the light on for you. Exactly. So. I mean, I, you know, I have a lot of talented friends I'm sure. in this industry. I mean, you, just in all of your journeys across the country, I know you know people where you could reach out and say, hey, you know, that there are some opportunities here. So, right. I yeah. think first, you, you know, maybe I have to show them. You know, they they have to see the success, see the area. You know, I'm inviting friends out already to like come and stay. Exactly. So I actually have more space now than we've ever had in our lives. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that must be a big difference, right? Going from a smaller spot in the city to what you can get here for the amount of money that's available. Sure. So. In New York City, you think like, you know, where am I supposed to store all of my things? And then here, you know, we we move into a rental house, and it's like, well, you know, we have too much space. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it helps you to different. appreciate it, I think, more than anything. So, yeah, I think yeah, so. Absolutely. So let's talk about. Let's talk about this iteration here at The Preacher's Son. There have been a lot of changes. I mean, for those of you that are listening that know, obviously The Preacher's Son was known for gluten-free items and, and that, you know, I think Matt himself was celiac, had celiac. I believe so. Yeah. And then he had other family members that did as well. So it was incumbent upon him to create a menu that really allowed him to enjoy the lifestyle of eating and, and all of that. So now- you're coming in and putting your own thumbprint on this, right? So it's it's Neil Gray's DNA, if you will. True. Culinary DNA. Not your actual DNA, but your culinary <laughs> DNA. And what is that, you know, in your mind, what were you thinking about? Because obviously you were aware of that. You were you knew the reputation. What were your thoughts about what you wanted to come in and create? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first and foremost, I want the food to be delicious and I want it to be hyper local, which is something that Matt actually did a great job building here at the Preacher's Son. He made a lot of connections with a lot of farmers. And that's a really, really beautiful thing and something that's very much a part of my spirit of cooking. And oftentimes people ask me, you know, what inspires you? And really the easiest way to get inspired, I think, is to take a walk through a farmer's market and look at the bounty and look at, you know, that particular food item that is at its peak freshness, at its peak ripeness. And you look at that and all of a sudden you think, what am I going to do with these? I'm going to take them in. I'm going to take them in the restaurant. And then what am I going to do? What am I going to create? And I think 
that's oftentimes when I come up with my best ideas is when I'm walking around and an inspiration just strikes you because of the way that a product looks or because of the way it feels or because of the way that it tastes. And that's oftentimes the best way to get inspired. It's, it's hard to sit down and force something out of yourself. You know, inspiration is not always just in a bottle for your disposal. I think oftentimes the best, the best way to get inspired is to just walk out, see the food and let it inspire you. And that's always like where I'm coming from or when I'm trying to create something for the menu. And then, you know, I guess getting back, circling back to the gluten-free thing, I think that there has been pushback <laughs> from the restaurant moving away from gluten-free. But I think gluten-free was also very unique to Matthew Cooper. Sure. And I think now that Matthew's gone, I think it might be a disservice to Matthew to keep cooking that food. Right. You know, I think that's special to him and unique to him, more so than it's unique to the preacher's son. Sure. So now we're sort of like in this mode of, of overhauling the menu, which we've been doing, and using you know, a lot of the experience that I've, that I've accumulated over the years and a lot of the technique that I've accumulated over the years to take these local products and basically start building our, a new culinary repertoire here. And it's coming to fruition and we're working on it every day. And it's, you know, a constant, it's a constant battle because cooking is not easy, cooking at a high level. So, you know, we're all, we're all learning new things in the kitchen together and we're learning how to put new tools into our belt, so to speak. And it's been a lot of fun in this winter iteration of the menu. And we're really looking forward to the bounty of the spring and getting to see what Arkansas really has to offer in terms of, you know, what's coming out of the fields and what's coming out of the pastures. And that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, it is exciting when you think about it. And I, I'm, you know, kind of involved in the whole farm to table movement here. I mean, I'm familiar, I'm on the board of Ozark Natural Foods. So I get, I get oh, to cool. meet a lot of the local farmers and they provide, I, I'm just amazed at what our local farmers provide, say like within a hundred mile radius. I mean, you've got Bainsley Berkshire Ridge, you've got all kinds of, I mean, just outstanding small farms that are putting out some amazing, amazing high quality food. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and that almost, it's, it's like, it's not that it's a limitless supply, but it's a, it's a strong supply to fall back on and not have to go other places to, to find, you know, the food that you need to create something beautiful. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, and, and I, my wife and I came the other night and, and you guys really, you put it on a show, I, I must say, and I want to just tell anyone that I had a Bronzino that was out of this world. I had a duck breast that I had never, I mean, I'd never tasted duck breast like that before. I mean, it was really, really good. There were just everything was awesome. I mean, the desserts, I mean, the, the wine pairings were excellent. There was a Riesling, and I can't remember the name of the Riesling that was ab absolutely outstanding with the, with the sea scallops that you guys created. And so how often are you going to change the menu and update it on, you know, with, in terms of, you know, based on what's available, what do you, how are you going to do that? Well, we'd look to do it very much as the inspiration strikes us. So rather than thinking about the menu in terms of like being just seasonal change, mm -hmm. I always want us to have the flexibility in the kitchen to change it whenever we want to and not necessarily changing the entire menu, but say when asparagus first comes into season or when peas are first coming into season this spring, rather than thinking about, okay, we need to overhaul the entire menu so that we can use asparagus. Let's do this organically part by part and piece by piece. So you know, we're going to be changing the menu constantly. Yeah. And I think for me, that's always the best way to do it because you don't, have to, you don't have to wait to come up with an entire new menu and then teach an entire new menu to your staff. 
you do it part by part and piece by piece as these foodstuffs are coming along. Yeah. And I think it's exciting for the guests too, because they can come in and constantly see something new. Yeah. And I would imagine that, and I'm just curious, most of the staff stayed on that were here from before, or did you, was there any overhaul at all or? Uh, yeah. The vast majority of the staff is still here. Okay. Um, from, right. from the front end and the back of the house. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I just, I know when we came, I'd recognized a few people that I'd seen before because I've been here a few times. Of course, I haven't missed many meals, as you can tell. But, uh, <laughs> but man, I, I, you know, it's just it's nice to see that the restaurant was busy, and even with everything that's going on with the pandemic, and we're still not out, out of the clear. I think that you know that there are there's just there's real opportunity for growth, and I'm, I'll be excited, especially to see what this spring brings about, the spring of 2021, in terms of what you guys are able to do and how many people get reacquainted with it, because a lot of people have not been back out. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are nervous about dying indoors and for good reason. Yeah. But I really hope that as this vaccination rollout continues, as we continue to see better numbers in this pandemic, that people are going to venture back out. I think they'll be excited too. Sure. And, and you guys are doing all the expected things to make sure, to ensure a safe, clean environment for any diner that's coming in. Here. Absolutely. So, it, yeah. You know, in terms of masking, social distancing, and of course, hygiene, these things all play a role. And we want people to come in and know that. We're following guidelines that we're, we're going above and beyond to make sure that they're going to be safe when they dine here. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you, now that you've been here for, how many months have you been here now? I started here in December 12th, I right. believe. And yeah. I think we rolled into town maybe like 10 days before <laughs> 10 days that. before so. that. So it's just been, it's been hot and fast, I guess, yeah, for totally. you. So what are you learning about your new hometown now? <laughs> well, I want to continue to learn more and more and more, but I have been knees deep in this restaurant since I've gotten here. The days are long and I've been very much focused on, um, on implementing our new ideas here. But I think I'm really excited to, you know, more so than getting to know the town, really excited to start meeting all the people. Yeah. And it's almost difficult to come out to a table and really engage with people with a mask on because they can't see that you're smiling. They can't see that you're happy to talk to them and you can't really take the mask off and shake hands. So I think I'm Really excited, not only for people to come back here and just engage with the restaurant, but also you know, for myself and my team to be able to engage with them, start building that community spirit here at the Preacher Sun. Yeah, I, I miss, I'm, I can't, I'll be honest with you, I miss that more than anything else. I'm a hugger. You know, I like to <laughs> hug folks and you know, I have a lot of chef friends and I give them hugs and high fives and all that. And it's hard to not be able to do that in this current environment, but right. that's why I can't wait to get on the other side of this thing. So. <sighs> You know, it's. I think we're all excited. <laughs> it goes um, without saying. You so. know, I want everyone who's ever been to this restaurant to come and experience it again. And for anyone who's never been here, I'm you know I'm really excited to to start making new fans, as yeah. we say. Yeah, I think that's important, and I think there's a lot of opportunity, and that's mm -hmm. that's the one thing I will say about Northwest Arkansas is that I think we all, those of us that live here, and I I include myself among that in, in the sense that I've been here six years now, so I feel like I'm a homer. But we get excited when we, you know, when when there are, when there's something new, we get excited, you know, to celebrate the businesses and and organizations around us that are doing well. Mm -hmm. And so we want to certainly see you guys succeed and and really make the most of it. Have you had a chance to connect with any of your peer chefs in the area that are part of Rope Swing? I've got to be honest, I have not. You have not. Well, I've met I've met a few of our chefs. Right. I've got to sit down with uh, Simon at Blake Street. Okay. And just the other day, we did a little demo there, which was a lot of fun, a demo for the members of Blake Street House. And right. I, so we did, I did two different food demos for a nice group of people there, and we showed off two dishes, and they're going to run those two dishes as 
additions to their menu over the coming week. And then he's going to have a whole another a whole series of guest chefs coming in and people in the industry that are going to do uh, nice little presentations and demos for their guests. And I think that's really nice. Yeah. So, and Simon's a great guy with a lot of worldly experience. So it was a lot of fun to meet him. Yeah. I don't know him personally. I've heard I, he has a great reputation and I've actually, I know a little bit about Blake Street House and I think that's a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to learn more about that. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Rope Swing has so many they have so many balls up their sleeves and, and there's there's so many cool things happening. So but but I mean this is this is your domain. So this is, you know, where where the magic is gonna happen for you. What are you hoping to, you know, roll out in the next, you know, as a preview in the next three to six months as as we get into spring and into the summertime and hopefully into a space where people are, are getting a little bit more comfortable about coming back out and doing things. What are, what are you hoping to accomplish? Right. Well uh, right now, you know, in the winter in the winter iteration of this menu, what you know, what we basically just started, really, um, the food feels very wintry. We have a lot of things that are brothy on the menu, a lot of things that are, you know, maybe a little buttery and a little heavy, and the things that you enjoy eating in like this warming sort of spirit in the winter. As the spring rolls around, I'm really excited to sort of take that menu and make it feel like spring, so that it's lighter, it feels sunnier, um, bright, fresh. So that's sort of like where the menu is going to be trending in the coming months, and I think. What I'm really excited for people to learn about Preacher Sun is that, you know, this isn't, this isn't just a special occasion restaurant. Yeah. This is going to be a restaurant where you can come every day of the week, any day of the week. And, you know, I would love to see our regulars in here once a week, not celebrating birthdays so much, although I you know, still want people to celebrate birthdays. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, rather than thinking about it as a place to celebrate, think about it as a place to come here where you can always just have great food and a really comfortable atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really excited to sh- and really excited to show people what we can do in this kitchen. We yeah. have a small kitchen and a small team, but we're going to be constantly pushing the boundaries of what that kitchen is capable of and really stretching that to the max. Yeah, and I got to recommend anybody that's listening to this. I mean, I, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to describe, but I mean, the, the beauty of this building and the stained glass windows and you know, they have a little nook that I actually sat in that's really quaint and, and very, you know, private. And, you know, there were several people here the night that I came celebrating birthdays. And and so, yeah, it can be a special occasion place, but you're absolutely right. Just coming here on a regular evening, you know, week during the weeknight and getting a nice meal is certainly appropriate. And if nothing else, outside of having an, an outstanding meal, there's something about the ambiance of this room. I mean, this this is an, an award-winning uh, room. And so, I mean, that, that's the other piece of it that makes it special. Right. It does feel very special. Yeah. It feels like a celebratory place. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So I encourage folks that are listening to the podcast to really come out and support what Chef Neil Gray and his team are doing here at The Preacher's Son and, and what they're going to continue to do. I think, I think with, like with everything that I've said recently, we have to support our restaurants. And that's why I always use the hashtag save our restaurants as much as possible, because there are, there are actually several restaurants here in Northwest Arkansas that have closed and, you know, there's no prospect of them opening again. And and that means lost jobs for people, lost opportunities for owners. So, I mean, there's a lot that we can do to kind of help stem that tide. And And there's certainly, there's certainly a ripple effect when restaurants close because there's, you know, restaurants are supporting Things like small farms, and you know, there's it's there's definitely a, a ripple effect of the people that are, that become affected by restaurants closing. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I feel bad for farmers that you know, my heart goes out to farmers that rely on us to buy their products and rely on all of their all of their resources in terms of you know the clients and customers that they had. You know, they're hurting now too, 
And, you know, we hear stories about people in, uh, you know, farmers in New York dumping their milk, farmers in Wisconsin dumping their milk because they can't sell the milk. Cheesemakers have a surplus. So there's nothing to do but take it out in the field and just let it go. And, um, you know, how sad is that? When we it's, talk about food scarcity and we yeah. talk about people that are food insecure, um, we have farmers that can't sell a product and basically can't even give it away. So, yeah, restaurants closing is a terrible thing. It is. It has a, a really profound effect on the communities where they're closing. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, put, you put it perfectly. So as we get kind of to the close, what are, I mean, I know you're going to be, your nose is going to be to the grindstone, but I, I wanted to kind of get an idea, you know, say we get to the summer months and you're up there creating some of your, you know, dessert creations. Are there, is there, is there anything that you have a proclivity towards that you tend to focus on because you really enjoy doing that? I know as a chef, some chefs tend to shade towards the things that they enjoy the most doing. Sure. So, and I'd be curious from a dessert perspective because the desserts that we had the other night were just outstanding. But, and there was a, there was, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a, it was a custard-like dessert. It almost reminded me of creme brulee without the burnt topping. Oh, was and it panna cotta? It was a panna cotta yeah. with, the, with the granola on top. And that was ridiculous. But <laughs> I, I'm just curious, what do you skew towards when you, you know, creating some new some new items on the menu. Well, I think in the summer months, stone fruit is something that's always a lot of fun to look at. And we have some amazing farms around here that are doing, you know, we have a peach orchard called Van Zandt's yeah. that I've always been a fan of. And every time I would come home to see my parents in the summer, they live really, really close to the orchard. I would always be at Van Zandt's buying peach. So whenever you think of the summer, you know, I think of peach and plum and all the amazing things that could be done with that, whether it be crostatas or, um, or buckles or, you know, cobblers, whatever it may be. Stone fruit is definitely something that I would gravitate towards okay. in the world of dessert. Okay, in the world of dessert. Yeah. And what what about like uh, main entrees? Oh, it's all about like it's all about tomato and corn and you know all those all those amazing things that are coming around in the summer, peppers and eggplant and cucumber and you know summer is really like the the um the bounty, you know, it's, it's the big harvest. So I really get excited when the markets are rolling all these things out and like you almost can't stop the ideas. It's, it's they're unstoppable because you have so much at your disposal. So yeah. summer is always a really exciting time to come. Yeah, do it's you, really a matter of like reining it in and figuring out. Okay, we can't do all of this. You know what are we going to do? So I guess it's always more of an idea that you had. There's more. There's you have more options in the summertime than you do in the wintertime. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then what about like? So here's the other issue that I struggled with moving here, and anybody that's that's recently moved here from one of the coasts will appreciate this. Good seafood. What, how, it's difficult. It is difficult. How are you guys going to address that? Well, we, um, we have a supplier. Sure. And our supplier is coming out of Tennessee, I believe. Okay. So I think the struggle with seafood here in Arkansas is that there's really no such thing as local seafood in Arkansas. Obviously, we're landlocked. Unless you're getting catfish. Right. <laughs> which, is, which is not seafood. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so you know, that is, that is one option. You yeah. could turn to fresh fish. But most people, when they want to eat fish at a restaurant, they don't want freshwater fish. They want seafood. Sure. So what we have to do is we have to, we have to find, through trial and error, what's coming in the freshest, which varieties of fish are coming in the very, very freshest. And you have to get those fish in while they're fresh. You have to promote it and sell it as soon as possible so that you can keep it coming in and keep it very, very fresh. And of course, you have to handle it really, really well. But that goes for any place. Sure. So there's obviously, we put a premium on really, really taking care of our fish when it comes in. And that's, you know, all the proper handling and the icing and everything like that. But really what we've been doing, and we've, we've served three or four different varieties of fish since I came here. Yeah. 
we're always looking for which ones are coming in the best. Right. And you examine that fish when it comes in. You want to see that the flesh is firm. The smell is obviously like very neutral and very fresh. You know, a lot of people say that like when salmon comes in fresh, it smells a little bit like cucumber. Okay. And I think that's true. Okay. And fish should never smell like fish. No. So <laughs> No, not not at all. Not at all. So. so, you know, that's kind of the way that we address it. It's, it's a little bit through trial and error. Yeah. And I'm um, getting the best of what we can get for the price that makes sense. And, and what I mean by the price that makes sense is um, getting the very, very best seafood that we can offer to our guests at the very best price. Yeah. So that, um, you know, so that we're not necessarily having to fly fish in overnight, which number one is not really great for the environment. That's a big carbon footprint. And then it's not really great for our customers in terms of price because it's very, very expensive for us to fly that in. So what we have to do is we have to look for the very, very best choices for our customers. Okay. And you know, we look we look at that in terms of sustainability and we look at it in terms of offering the best value for our guests. Yeah. Well, hey, well, you certainly have your work cut out for you there, but I'm sure you will figure something out with your skill set and your background and experience. So you said you mentioned your parents. Are they still down in Malvern? No, they're up here. They've lived in Rogers for the past um oh God, I guess they I guess they probably moved up here around maybe two thousand six. So how did they react when they heard the news? Oh, I mean, they were they were over the moon. I didn't tell them for a long time. Really? Um, because I didn't want to give my mother any wind of this because I knew she would flip out. And then if it didn't happen, then oh, it would just be the biggest disappointment. So I didn't I didn't even let them in on this until it was a pretty well a done deal. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was just talking to Kurt long before I was talking to mom and dad about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes you got to do that. I, I've, I've held things close to the vest so that, and I didn't tell my mom until it materialized because I know how that is. I think that's the best way. It is. It really is. So forgive me, mom, and, and uh, forgive Neil, Neil's mom too for that. That's just how it has to be sometimes. So, But, you know, we have, we have our grand, she has a grandson, a new grandson now. So she's, I think, as much over the moon about me being here. She's so excited to always come out and see the baby and see the baby and the baby and the baby. Absolutely. There's nothing like that. Well, good. I mean, you, so yeah. you, you, you are now not, not just a blessing to your parents, but a blessing to Northwest Arkansas that you're oh, here thank you. with, your, you with your culinary skills. And, and certainly we want to support you and we want to, uh, to make sure that you're successful in your endeavors. So well, I really you. appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, on my end, I want to make sure that we're going to, um, we're going to keep it interesting for everyone that comes in here and we're going to constantly push ourselves to make this a great experience and make this a restaurant that everyone in here can be really proud of. Absolutely. And we want to make sure if you guys come here to visit the preacher's son and you were inspired by this episode, please let the hostess know you heard about it through the preacher's son. You can connect or just say, hey, we'd like to say hi to the chef if, if he's available, if, if it's not one of his days off, right? Because I know that's few and far between right now, <laughs> but, but if it's not one of his days off, say hello to him. And then also, I want to just give a big shout out to uh, Kevin Weatherly. Kevin is amazing. Kevin is an outstanding yeah. executive general manager. He spent so much time with us the other night, just chatting and talking about. And we are, we actually have a lot of a uh, lot of common commonalities in our growing up in the culinary in the in the food service business. I used to work at a Houston's, and he worked at Houston's, and oh, so yeah. we had we had that in common, and we talked about that and you know, what it was like growing up in, in that type of atmosphere where, you know, you, there was just a high level of regard for not just the culinary aspect, but just in service in general and how important that is. But certainly you, you, you're in good hands with him here watching over everything that's going on. So I'm sure it will free you up to focus on creating. Right. And that's, Absolutely. that's the key. Yeah, thing. Kevin and Kevin is my partner here for sure. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much. And, and any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, Anything you want to share before we close out? You know, I think I, 
I just want people to know that, um, like I said, we're going to be working really hard for them and we're going to be pushing the boundaries and we're going to be keeping things fresh and keeping things exciting. And I want people to know that this is going to be a restaurant for everyone. If you're a gluten-free person, if you're a celiac, I want you to come to this restaurant because we still have the food here for you. Any dietary restrictions, we're obviously we're ready to handle. And uh, we're going to keep things fun and we're going to keep it exciting. And uh, I'm just really excited to see this dining room packed and see everyone having a great time and enjoying delicious food and really warm, friendly hospitality. Ah, well, there you have it, folks. Chef Neil Gray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And it's been my pleasure. Spending some time with us. And we'll certainly have to come back later on and revisit this and maybe even get you on our our video show, What's New NWA, and, and, and so people can see you Great. Uh, and see your enthusiasm for what's happening here in Northwest Arkansas, and more importantly, what's happening right here at, at The Preacher's Son. So thank you so much for coming on. Hey, it's been my pleasure. I thank you, Randy. That. I really appreciate it. Great, great. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. We hope you enjoyed that. Please, please, please come out and support The Preacher's Son. Come there right downtown Bentonville, right around the corner from the 5 and 10 and uh, right around the corner from the Bentonville Square. It's easy to get to. If you're coming from 49, you can just shoot over to, to 2nd Street and come straight up. You shouldn't have any problems getting here. Definitely want to encourage you because they're currently open in the evenings right now. You should make a reservation. You should give them a call and uh, reach out to them. We'll put all of their information as well as a contact information for Chef Neil Gray in our show notes so that you guys know how to get in contact with them or to make an appointment make a reservation to to bring your family out and come enjoy the wonderful food that Chef Neil Gray is cooking up here at The Preacher's Son. So I appreciate you taking time to listen to this particular episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. As always, we come out every Monday with a new episode of the show. And more importantly, we'd like for you to do two things for us. One, subscribe to the podcast wherever you find this podcast, whether you're on Android. So if you're listening, you can listen on Spotify. If you're on Apple, if you're on an iOS device, you can certainly subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts. And as I've always said, you can also say, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, and Alexa will oblige. So we're everywhere you want us to be when it comes to podcasting. And we'd also love for you to give rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on, but especially on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and those reviews help our algorithm help us rise to the top. We're actually one of the top podcast in the the travel and leisure section of podcasting. So we want to continue that momentum and movement forward. And we really appreciate that. As I've said, we're working on with a number of new opportunities here at I'm Northwest Arkansas. We've got some new sponsors coming on board. I just heard from Signature Bank. They're going to be a sponsor for the IO Northwest Arkansas podcast. I can't wait to talk more about that, but just stay tuned. This spring and summer of 2021, as we come out of this pandemic, it's going to be pure fire. Listen, I appreciate and love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to I Am Northwest Arkansas. We will see you next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.